it's a it's a it's a it's a three-day event, but the first day is just in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and what we're doing is we're running masterclasses for the international federations, nice. um, both in the area of you know event efficiencies, legacy, sustainability, um, and also safety and security. So that masterclasses on the on the afternoon of the first day. Then we're at the Olympic Museum for a full program of content. Mm. And we'll be looking at all of the salient themes and issues which are affecting international federations. Right. As Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today I'm here with Andy Rice. And Andy, thanks for taking the time. How are you? You're very welcome. I'm very well, thank you. Good. A little stiff after a long weekend skiing in La Plan, um, which is which is tough on a body as old as mine. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you got to take advantage of the, the winter time before it all pass away but and as in Norwegian you know it's always good you know when when other people are skiing besides us <laughs> so yeah, that's I mean, l- last year obviously you know hardly anyone was skiing so right. it's it's just an absolute pleasure to get back on the slopes well I can't, I can't imagine that and I, I know for sure like I've been disappointing my fellow Norwegians I haven't you know skied enough you know during during the pandemic and during like these these uh, challenging months but you know, I, I gotta just get back uh, up on the horse and I'm sure we'll be, you know, ready out there. No time. Skis on. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, I, I mean, like, it's a, it's a pleasure having you here. We're going to dive, of course, like into your, your career, you know, what you're doing, um, a little bit about your, you know, journey, your tips, you know, some of the challenges that have been facing as well uh, during this, this interesting stage and time that we're in these days, you know, a lot of, a lot of things happening in the world. We don't obviously have to go into details with everything, but but first and foremost, you've got foremost, six hours for all the challenges, have you? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how how far we go. If maybe we have to do like multiple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if anybody bothers to watch this one first. Oh no, hundred percent they will. You know, there's a lot of good insights, and and it's a pleasure having you here. And so. I think it's, you know, just just to begin with this podcast and I guess like the journey here is like, tell us a little bit of how your journey in the sport industry began. I think it's always like a fascinating uh, way to hear how people entered and how how it's been, you know, going in there. Sure. I mean, like virtually everyone in the industry, my journey started with a passion for sport. So, you know, I wasn't massively academic. I was I was okay, but. I was a pretty good tennis player and I was a pretty good footballer. So, you know, that was what I did throughout my my youth. I managed to somehow get my way to Loughborough University. And and there I studied tennis and Tennyson, so English and sport. Um, And I I guess like most people at Loughborough in the 80s, um, I was planning to be a PE teacher originally. Right. Um, but I think probably a um, a sort of a little bit of a um, an epiphany for me came in, in in one of the courses when we were studying the business of sport. And I was introduced to this chap called Mark McCormack, who, mm. who'd made his living by representing golfers. And I thought, oh, well, that, you know, that's quite an interesting area yeah. to get into. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could follow that, that, that pursue that. Um, didn't quite work out. I, I went from Loughborough into advertising and blogging advertising space, um, thinking that I could get from advertising into sports marketing. 
uh, right. which sort of happened, but I, yeah. I made my way up my my career into publishing. And so I became a magazine publisher. Yeah. Um, and, and, and ran a business and then sold my business in the uh, in the late uh, 1990s um, and was not did not make enough money to retire so right. I used my publishing experience to, to get a job as a director of sport business mm. 1999 so I, I joined sport business magazine as it was right. it was a monthly news magazine for the global business of sport at that time, which clearly was a ridiculous thing to, to, to be because as a news magazine, by the time it got to America, all the news was without a business, out, without, was out, of, uh, um, out of date. So right, right. Um, I, I worked with Kevin Roberts there. Kevin worked for me and, and, you know, over nine years, that was how I established my contacts in the business of sport. Right. And then from that point, obviously, you know, and then leading up to now, you're you're obviously the CEO at Major Events International. And I'm mean, like, take take us a little bit first and foremost, like how you ended up at, at Major Events International. And I guess from that point, like, what are some of your, I guess, key responsibilities and tasks that you have? Well, thanks for the promotion, Ali. I appreciate that. I'm I'm actually COO rather than CEO. CEO. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a little. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take there, it. I'll, you know, we, won't, we won't tell Dennis that I've been promoted. Um, I mean, like, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll boost it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the CEO. So yeah, from, CEO. <laughs> um, from from sport business, I I did a number of roles. Um, in 2012, for example, I headed up sport. At the press association so that was a that was a brilliant job to be doing during the london olympics we were the host national news agency at pa um i worked with jimmy worrell at leaders for a while which was right. fantastic i think jimmy's done a brilliant job there absolutely love his philosophy and, and what he's done there um and i worked for an organization in in sports video for a while called gigabox mm. uh, i had a little bit of a dalliance into teaching Right. So I sort of came back into the business of sport, having, having thought that I'd retired from it and gone into teaching. But that was that was an absolute nightmare, <laughs> so much more difficult than I anticipated. So I, I, I managed to do a U-turn and come back right. to the business of sport. Yeah. And, uh, and fortunately, Dennis, who was the CEO or who is the CEO of MEI, um, I came to one of his events and I thought this is quite an interesting organization to work for. And I think that Dennis could do with a right-hand man. So I, I basically persuaded him that that was a good idea. So it was about three years ago. Uh, and, and you know, obviously, Dennis and I have been you know, building the business ever since. Right. There you go. There you go. I mean, like, yeah, just got to make it sure it's the right the right title. C-O-O. -O. <laughs> so Chief Operating Officer, yeah. yeah. So so let's let's talk about, like, that, that role is specifically, like, just map out a little bit for those that are not like familiar with that kind of role, and I guess like how it impacts, you know, with, with M, M, I can't even speak today. It's it's yeah. not out of the place. Um, major events international, and so mapping out a little bit like I guess your responsibilities and tasks around that role, so people kind of like get an essence of okay, what is it actually entitled? Uh, how does it relate to your work? You know what you're doing. Sure. Perhaps it's useful just to explain you know, what MEI does a little bit. I mean, this, this graphic sort of explains what we do. We sit as an interface between right. global event organizers, 
for teams, leagues, governing bodies, local organising committees, host cities, what we call sports properties, mm. and the suppliers who help deliver those events safely and profitably. Right. Really, I, I'm I'm just a concierge. I'm just a glorified concierge. <laughs> I, I, I spend my day uh, just opening doors for people to go back and forth. Right. Um, seriously, I mean, I, I guess part of what I do is catch the things that Dennis throws over his shoulder. Yeah. So as the CEO, he's responsible for strategy and, and just driving the business forwards. And I'm responsible for sort of making those things happen. Right, um, right. Part of that is building our network of best-in-class suppliers. So I'm responsible for recruiting other suppliers um, and joining our, our family, making sure that they they are happy uh, with the um, with the network fee that they pay, that they get good value for money. Mm -hmm. um, and also as part of that ecosystem, whereby we're bringing buyers and sellers together, we run three major events a year, one focused on the UK and, and events in the broadest sense, so including festivals and air display shows and boat shows. Yeah. We've just had that at Manchester, Emirates Old Trafford. Nice. Um, one focused on federations and host cities, uh, which is coming up in Lausanne in June. And then one focused on major events, so the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games right. or the Pan American Games big multi-sport games yeah. um, and helping suppliers work out where the opportunities are. So my job is to, to help build those programs and, and recruit the sponsors and the speakers uh, and to support the, the operations team in bringing those to life. Yeah, man, like it's it's a, it's a critical role, and I mean, like I know I'm just throwing down things to Eduardo all the time. <laughs> so, it, it is it is a lovely job. I'm very fortunate in as much yeah. as my job is to make other people's jobs easier. Right. That, that basically is what my job is. So I I sit alongside sales and marketing uh, departments from suppliers and work out how I can support them both from a consultancy point of view, but also to leverage the assets that we have right. as MEI to open doors for them. So, uh, you know, it's nice because you know, you're always just trying to help somebody do a better job. Absolutely. And then it is a really critical critical role as well. And obviously, you know, uh, from from what I read as well, like the research that I did as well, like MEI is, is you know, kind of like a management consultancy. You, you just talk a little bit about like, you know, limited ways of how you are working but um if you want to dive a little bit more into like specifically how you're helping you know these companies the government agencies and host organizations to succeed in the sport and see like what are some of the ways that you guys are doing that sure so if you think about our business in in two clusters if you like two camps mm -hmm. so on the one hand you have the sports properties right so what we help what we help them with we help them run. We, we help them run their events more efficiently. Mm. We help them find host cities. Yep. We help them find sponsors. We help them. We help with the transfer of best practice from a peer-to-peer -peer perspective. Right. So all the people around my head here might come to one of our events free of charge. Mm. And so we we help just with the dissemination of best practice and raising the bar. Right, right. With, with the other cluster of, of, of people, the, the suppliers, the vendors, what we do is we help them by giving them access 
to decision makers and specifiers, you know, working out who the, who the buyers are and helping them with procurement, which yeah. increasingly is important for these major events. Sure. With insight, with knowledge, you know, who's buying what, you know, what are the key, what are the key hot buttons, what's going on in the world, where is World Archery taking their World Cup next year, where's the Invictus Games going, who's got, who's got the Commonwealth Games and why, that yeah. thing. And also just to help them increase their brand profile. So right. we, we have newsletters, we run publications, and we help them just wave their flags, if you like. Right, right. No, it makes makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's a very um, it's a very important role as well in the industry, especially with you know connecting the dots there. Because in, in many ways as well, from from finding these decision makers and stakeholders, it's it's uh, quite a you know can be a quite a complicated process especially with these you know kind of big major major events and and also like you know the whole cities in in many ways there's a lot of new new things and, and relationships and and structures you know to to keep in mind going there so it's it's it is. It's, it's a very complicated ecosystem right if it was simple we wouldn't exist right you know, we, we just help people navigate through this quite complicated uh ecosystem and you know in my if i'm being flippant and somebody asked me at a dinner party what i do i'd say well i'm in the oil business you know <laughs> i i just i just lubricate the wheels of commerce in, right. in the business of sport and that's what it is it's just lubricating something that would possibly happen or possibly not happen but we just try and make it a little bit more efficient yeah, no, it makes it makes a lot of sense. I, th I think I'm going to use that oil reference <laughs> more. I mean, I, being from an oil country, I guess. <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. We, we definitely need to cuddle up to Norway at the moment with all with everything that's going on. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Hey, I'm 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 sure we'll figure something out in that sense. <laughs> um, but but let's let's talk a little bit about the summits though. That the, and you 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 touch a little bit upon it. Obviously, you know, I think we have to you know go more a little bit. You know specifically into the halls of federation summit in lausanne in june obviously that coming up soon but but yeah. just just talk a little bit more in depth because you mentioned you know the three different major events that you guys are hosting and yeah. um a little bit more about like what kind of topics what kind of audience like what can people expect yeah and, and is there like you know invites only like where are some ways where people can you know whomever can attend like what are the structure here yeah, so um, if we look towards June and the, the Hosts and Federation Summit in Lausanne, yeah. um, one of the things that I loved about working at Sport Business was going to Sportel every year down in Monaco. Right. And what I loved about Sportel was just how much business was done there. You know, mm. some conferences and, and, and summits are, you know, they're about networking, they're about content, yeah. but there isn't that much business being done um, and people always um, referred to Sportel as a marketplace you know mm. where, where actually deals were being done what what we're trying to do is we're trying to replicate that in June to make it a marketplace for hosts and international federations to come together and do some deals right because it's an exciting and synergistic or symbiotic relationship that international hosts and international rights holders have. Sometimes the power is on one side, sometimes the power is on the other. Right. Often it's about you know, working together to maximize the event legacy. And so that, that is the, that's the objective of June. 
-hmm. And then obviously around that, around the buzz of what's going on between those guys meeting, right. there'll be suppliers wanting to talk about how they can make those events safer and more profitable. Mm, yeah, no, I think I think it's, it's a very um, great way to see sort of like the importance as well to to building that, um, you know, not necessarily just a meeting place, but a way where actually, you know, business can, you know, happen. And I think that's, yeah. that's a big challenge when it comes to like, you know, these type of events in general, just because like, yeah. is it more of a just like, oh, we get like some new insights or is like, can we actually get down to business? Because that, that's essentially what everyone wants to get down to, like, what's the value, right? What's the ROI here? And so facilitating exactly. that is, it, it's a big thing, but like talk a little bit about like how you guys are facilitating that and just merging and making sure that, okay, that, 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 that can actually happen because it is a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and as a consequence, our structure is quite different than normal. So right. the rights holders, the sports properties come free, they yeah. come as our guests, they don't have to pay, which means that the vast majority of people you know, my my halo of influence here w will be coming. Right. Um, obviously, the, the the timing is interesting because the Aswaf General Assembly is on the middle day of our summit, which means that all the general se secretaries from Aswaf will be on either online or in Lausanne. Right. And their operations team will also be in Lausanne, which means that they'll be able to join us at the Olympic Museum, yeah. which is where we're we're heading. So. Yes. With every respect to the general secretaries, we're not really interested in them because they don't do the real work. Yeah. We're interested in their teams, their operational teams right, right. that are actually running these events and, yeah. and working out how to monetize the rights right. uh, for both the IFs and also the NGBs, which yes. cascade down. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, what we're trying to do, and, and you used the word facilitate um, when we were discussing your role in, right. in, in you know, at the beginning of this call. So we're actually facilitating and organizing specific meetings. So we're not just relying on serendipity mm. for the right people to get together. We're yeah. actually setting up meetings between host cities right. and international federations, international federations and host cities, because obviously certain people want to meet certain people. So we're, 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 we're formalizing that. If you yeah, like. yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, at the end of the day, and, and we talked about it too, like, I mean, like, there's a reason why we both exist, right? <laughs> so you need those facilitators to make things a little bit smoother, you know, making sure that things are running a bit more efficient exactly. and faster. And, uh, and what I like about you guys is, is that you're improving the funnel, the talent coming into the industry, which is, you know, why we're very, very happy to support you. Well, we, we appreciate that and we're happy to support you as well, especially at the upcoming event. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm excited to be back in uh, in Switzerland, in Lausanne. Yeah. Been there. It's yeah, like the one good. place that reminds me of Norway, you know, so it's always. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, especially Lausanne, you know, on, yeah. on Lake Geneva, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Stunning, um, stunning. It's uh, definitely one of my favorite places by far, like that I've been to so far. I mean, like, I still have a lot of exploring to do, but uh Definitely one of my highlight cities. So I can't 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 wait to be back there and and meet meet people more in person as well, which I think it's a, yeah. a nice change. You know, it's been a yeah. lot of well, it's a, it's a it's a it's a three day event. But the first day is just in the afternoon. 
Yeah. Um, and what we're doing is we're running masterclasses for the international federations, nice. um, both in the area of, you know, vent efficiencies, legacy, sustainability, um, and also safety and security. So that masterclasses on the, on the afternoon of the first day. Then we're at the Olympic Museum for a full program of content. Mm. And we'll be looking at all of the salient themes and issues which are affecting international federations right. as they move forward. So yep. diversity, sustainability, um, maximizing revenues from their rights, um, minimizing their costs, um, and just you know trying to share best practice and, and, and allow the international federations to really work as efficiently as possible because mm -hmm. we know at the end of the day, their fundamental role to encourage more people to do their sport right so that's you know that's got to be good for all of us you know if we can yeah. if we can build from the bottom and get more people you know playing sport whatever it might be um you know that's got to be a great thing no for sure i mean like the infrastructure has to be in place right the foundation we always talk about the foundation and it's, it's one of the critical things and especially with all the changes that are happening in the world like that foundation is more important than than and anything else at this stage, you know, in order to make sure that things are, you know, moving forward. And then luckily, you know, with like some innovation technology and, and upcoming companies, you know, can also like, you know, bridge that to speed up the process, you know, make it more efficient. And I think, you know, I think this is a really good segue into, um, you know, some of the upcoming trends that I think you are seeing, you know, from working with all these different kinds of stakeholders in the industry, uh, with your vast experience of the as well and and if you wanted to like map up a little bit of like what are some of the upcoming trends that you see and that you think that or that you feel that the sports students that are coming in now should just want to keep an eye on when they're you know in the process of building their professional career because things are changing fast they are changing fast and and, and if you'd have asked asked me this question about a month ago i'd have put nfts at the top of the list and, yeah. and, and you know, recommended that everybody understands just how that F NFT ecosystem works in terms right. of, you know, digital assets. I'm not saying that the bubble has burst. I am saying, you know, just that there seems to be a cooling off of, of, of that space. And right. um, people are actually, you know, saying, okay, well, you know, maybe this was overhyped a little bit. Um, what isn't overhyped, and, and in answer to your question, um, would be the metaverse. Um, right. So, um, you know, what your students need to understand, and, and probably will be able to do within five minutes more than me, um, is, is to understand how to navigate the metaverse, mm. what that means you know, for the world of sport. Um, we work, as you know, with a network of best-in-class suppliers, Right. Um, one of our members is end-to-end -end, and they create a virtual uh, stadium that allows fans to actually have an amazing, um, amazing experience in the virtual world, you know, go into certain rooms and, and see interviews with players, go into the changing room and, and, and see, see what's going on there. So that is just the very tip, the very cutting edge Mm. Of, of what the fan experience is going to be like in, in five, ten years. I think all fans will have a digital pass. Yeah. And the beauty of this, of course, is that 
could be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and access a virtual stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And that will obviously encourage and drive the demand to be part of that physical experience. You know, that could be that could just become a bucket list, you know, opportunity. I, I have to go to the new camp once in my life, you know, because I've been spending the last five years visiting the stadium virtually. Yeah. That, that's got to be great for a sports yeah. rights holder. No, for sure. And I think it's, of course, like it opens up a different kind of audience too, right? For for the clubs and organizations, especially major events, right? And then, well, everyone that are running some sort of, you know, uh, physical physical event or, or game is that it opens up, you know, to a different kind of audience where, you know, everyone in the world can, you know, go there and watch the game. And in, in a sense as well, it's just, you know, you, instead of having, okay, there's locked 75,000 seats, you can suddenly have 200,000 people watching watching the same game. In, in... No, they, they probably wouldn't watch the game because yeah. of the rights issues. Right. They, they would, it would enhance their pre-match and post-match experience right. or even a half. They could meet their mates yeah. in virtual space as, um, you know, as avatars. Right. That, you know, the, the mind start, the, the creativity, really starts to get really, really interesting. And of course, there are significant revenue opportunities here, you know, in terms of NFTs, digital assets, selling mm. merchandising, selling different levels of access, different mm. levels of membership. You know, it, it, it can, you know, you, your students have a have an amazing opportunity if they can really get their head round right. how to monetize the metaverse. Right. No, I, th- I think it's a really important, you know, key area that, that that these students need to need to kind of like keep an eye on and, and focus on and try to understand as much as they can and obviously we, we you talk a lot about the opportunities you know with the metaverse and sort of like the aspect of it but what are some of the challenges that, that you see with it that you know sort of like are impacting i guess in a sense the industry now and that um kind of like building up and learning this you know because obviously it's it, it, it's a new new world it's a new new thing to keep in mind and and yeah what are some of the challenges you see with it yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the challenges come down to almost the fact that there are, there is such a plethora of opportunities and, right. and there is no clear path. But there will be a lot of failures. You know, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember the dot-com boom and bust. <laughs> so, you know, many of your students won't believe that lots of digital web companies went bust. Right. In 2001, yeah, you know, uh, there, there, there was a, 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 an online solution called Quokka, which got business from the IOC and was a with a sailing app uh, that that followed um, the America's Cup in real time. Hmm. Brilliant, you know, but, but, but went bust. Right. So I, I think that there will be, uh, you know. Often, often the pioneers do get the arrows, which is which is not ideal. So, right. I think getting the timing right, I think, is is one of the big the big challenges. I think sport has responded very well mm-hmm. to the Russian crisis. I, I think that often sport hesitates to take a position. But I think in in this particular case. You know, it, it has done well, right. and you know, and, and ironically, the IOC led the way, really, and, and FIFA then followed, and the other international federations are right. now following through. And I think we have to totally ostracize Russia, 
and, and make their, make their um, population realize that whatever they may be seeing and reading in the media, actually this, this stuff is, is, is really, really Russia's fault and, and, and the world is hating us for it. Um, mm. So I, I think that obviously navigating our way out of that geopolitical crisis is, is, is a major challenge. Right. Um, but I think sport is definitely playing its part in, in the same way it did with uh, bringing apartheid down. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, like, I, I studied that case as well, just back back in school. I had the pleasure to go uh, two weeks in South Africa as one of my professors were South African. And so we went down there and we, we visited all this stuff and we, you know, talked about all everything that is happening. And it's very interesting, you know, to see the power uh, of sports and sort of like the value that it can bring. And of course, now more than ever, it's, it's, it's important that, you know, sport takes its, you know, responsibility uh, in, in a sense of what they can do. And uh, I think with the momentum and I guess with whether or not like, you know, pandemic, of course, was, was very challenging and it still kind of is in many ways uh, because it's still, still not over, you know, so in, in a sense. So it's kind of like in a way where I think you, the, the aspect of responding and like how fast you need to respond is like, it's just been boosting, I guess, in the industry to be more fast paced, probably more than it had to, especially from the organizational standpoint, which in a sense leads to more innovation. So I think it's in the right spot. And obviously that's where I think, of course, where you talked about the metaverse and the, the, how the industry has sort of like been I guess not necessarily adapting to it, but understanding it a little bit more, and perhaps yeah. that pace will, you know, reflect the integration of it. So it's definitely like, you know, something to, 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 to keep in mind. And I wanted to just wrap up a little bit here with, with more specifically, I guess, you know, because obviously we talked about, you know, upcoming trends, you know, challenges, things that you know you are working on, MEI as well, and sort of like all this, all this good stuff. But I wanted to like just. Take, take a step back here, just think a little bit like um, going into the industry, you know, coming in fresh air as a student. And, and there are a lot of people that obviously, you know, are attracted and wants to be part of the sports and just give them sort of like, a, I guess, in a sense, a reality check of like, what, what are some of the tips that you would give them for those that are, you know, now looking to get a career in sport? Well, I, I sort of need to apologize because I, I, I may make a contentious statement here. But I, I do strongly believe that once you have your first degree under your belt, there is nothing, there is no better education than getting into a sports business, mm. understanding how it works and how the business of sport works. Um, with every respect to, to universities that are running master's courses, unfortunately, those courses tend to be way, way behind the trend, um, not leading. They are they are following the trend. The right. industry, as you say, is changing so fast and business is having to adapt incredibly fast to 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 meet those needs. And, and education just is, is not catching up. Right. I, as a recruiter, will always prefer somebody with two years of experience in a sports marketing agency or working for a, a club or a league than two years doing an academic course mm. um, and and you know if it takes 
doing an internship or doing, you know, doing what it takes to get into that workspace and to build that vocational experience. That that would be my advice. Don't get there as soon as possible. I think a first degree is important, yeah, but yeah. but then then there comes a time when you need to to weigh up. Okay, well, do I do a master's? Do I do a PhD? Right. You know, if you want to get into the business of sport, get into the business of sport. You might have to be there for free. You might have to make the coffee. You might have to do the filing. Mm. But get in there and network and, right. and use LinkedIn and just build build your network of, of, right. of friends and, and ask ask the people that you're working with to you know to introduce you and to challenge you and ask them to go into meetings so that you can understand what's going on and the different nuances uh, just learn that way that that would be my advice oh, 100% I think it's a very critical you know stage that people are in at this point too where you kind of like have to almost feel like you have to make a decision and and I think a lot of people are expecting you know, like you have to do you know, uh, another degree and, and stuff like that. And I think the, the key element and what you talk about as well is just, you know, it, it's a lot of great stuff you can learn in school, but at the end of the day, you need to get out there and getting that foot in the door, getting experience and understanding as well that, you know, you have to start from scratch. And I'm going to use a personal example to just just for, for people to understand sometimes like what you have to do, because I think it's important. And so, uh, obviously, you know, I think most of the people that are listening to this at this point know that I'm Norwegian and I <laughs> started my career there. But um, after I graduated my my bachelor degree, like I got a job offer for like a sports director job in a, in a pretty okay club in, in Norway. Nothing, you know, crazy, but it, not bad for being like 23 at that point. And yeah. so I was like, okay, it's a solid offer. Like I can get, you know, start kind of like my career. And and I was in a good spot, but I was like, I want to be more internationally. And so I had, I always had like an international mindset, which obviously reflects Sporting Global and what it is today. But uh, I didn't know about that at that point. But so I decided to go to the U.S. and, and pursue my master there because I wanted to learn, you know, my, my, uh, the American industry, you know, it's different from yes. the end way, you know, it's, it works over here and in, in Norway as well. And going there, I knew I had to start from scratch. You know, like right. I couldn't expect to like just get like a full-time job because it's yeah. a different market. And so first thing I did was I volunteered and then I had an unpaid internship for eight months and then I yep. got paid and then I built my way up. And so yep. it takes time, but if you know that you have the knowledge and the value, it like it will pay off, but you have to understand that you have to build your way up, you know, and, and it takes time. And, and the other thing that I would like to say to young people um, is everyone says life is short. Um, right. It isn't. L life is long. You know, you've, you've got time to fit stuff in. Right. You really have. Yeah. And, and, you know, well, see the world, travel, broaden your horizons, and, and even start another career. You know, if you can build some experience in marketing or in sales or in digital um, coding in another career and then come into sport there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and, and and that's what i did i didn't i had 20 no 10 years 10 years in a well 15 years in a completely non-sports related world right i was building my i was building my toolkit and i was building skills yeah i could transfer into sport so right. 
if your ambition is to get into the business of sport, don't feel that you failed if you if you haven't got there in the first couple of years. There's yeah. there's always times when you can jump over. Yeah, and there's there's so many ways you know to enter the industry to be part of the industry and. I mean, like the the more the more we share. I mean, like it's just a perfect example, like how many different kind of stakeholders and organizations that you are working with, you know, through MIE. And I mean, like it's it's just a way where you know you can take a look at the the photo behind you and say, like, these are all organizations that are involved in sports, you know, that are working in an industry that you potentially can work for. And understanding that it's not just you know FIFA or or FIFA or like all the biggest club that you you think of of course you can do that there's 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 many people that do that too but there's plenty of opportunities and i think that's a very key important we, we haven't even mentioned the esport and, and you know that, that that continues to be another burgeoning trend and uh you know that, that's not going to go away you know that's only going to become more mainstream it's going to in the same way that extreme sports you know started as a peripheral yeah. and became mainstream it's exactly the same with esports. Oh yeah, no, 100%. It's it's already you know booming fast and it's it's being consistent. And I think they were probably one of the sectors of the industry, especially during the pandemic, that really boosted of it because yes. I mean, like it's digital, so they could kind of like almost continue what they were doing already. Yeah. So it was a, it was a very very good way, and I guess for for that sector of the industry to to continue their growth and uh, of course challenges as well with 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 the money you know involved in in the industry and the struggles of that with with not with, with the different kind of challenges but there's a lot of potential in the industry you just need to know where to poke and uh where to sort of like start start gaining and i i do believe at least for everyone's that are tuning in that you know you got like some insights some some good tips along the way i know for sure you know it was a pleasure you know speaking with you andy and and she, hearing your thoughts and, and and some of the trends what you guys are working on and you know we're, I'm, I'm, it was a pleasure having you part of this i, I really appreciate it thank you ollie it was a pleasure talking to you pleasure being on the cast <laughs> absolutely well as, as a final my boss is just calling so i better take it <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks well thank you so much